It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Good evening, everybody. We are recording on Thursday, April 9th, which means we are two weeks away from the first round of the NFL Draft. Yes, two weeks away. Very excited. Something to uh, look at, talk about, something fun to be uh, a sports fan about. So, Yeah, absolutely. We just got the crushing news that UFC 249 will not be taking place on April 18th. So a um, little disappointed, a little frustrated, but still got the NFL draft because they found a creative way to make this happen. Um, even though it's not a live event on the field, it's something to talk about. It's something exciting uh, in the sports field. So, um, you know, t- tonight we have a packed card because we're getting right down to the end here, and we've got to yeah. get these position rankings out for you guys so that our big boards can take shape for our uh, next week is going to be um, our yeah. last show with – um, position ranks, right? We'll, we'll yep. give out uh, our big board at the end of that show. Yep. And then the following week, we will have the a live mock. The live mock. Um, probably have to record on like Monday so yep. that we can get that out to you guys on Tuesday so you can hear our mock draft um, prior to the draft on Thursday night. Absolutely. So let's, uh, let's get started here. Uh, Tom, run down the position groups we're going to cover tonight. All right. So first, we're going to start with the interior offensive linemen. Then the offensive tackles, then tight ends, interior defensive line, and then the edge rushers, the ever so fun and sexy edge rushers. Yeah, absolutely. So, hey, without any further ado, let's jump right in here and uh, and talk about some interior offensive linemen, um, a position group that doesn't get the respect that it deserves because if the interior of your line stinks <laughs> at the NFL level, your whole team, your whole offense is going to be ineffective. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Um, definitely a place where you want to have a strength. You don't want to have any question marks on the interior line. Um, a lot of these guys we're going to go over have flexibility to play multiple positions along the interior of the offensive line. And uh, it'll be interesting to see who picks them up, where they go, what kind of blocking scheme they get into. Um, so a lot of that is pick pick what you're looking for. You know, are you a zone blocking team? Are you a straight ahead run? Um, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? Do you pull... If you pull a lot, some of these guys are going to be higher or lower on your list. So um, this is our list just based on skill set. So, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why don't you uh, jump right out with us uh, with your number 10 pick, Tom. Number 10, I have Shane Lemieux from Oregon. Um, six foot four senior. Uh, he is going to be a guard more than likely in the NFL. Um, some of the things I like about him, uh, he gets hands on people really well. He's big and strong. Uh, he definitely has the ability to be a bit of a um, a mauler, you know, all those cliches, really just blocking people down into the ground. Um, you know, the little – some question marks on his passing, but on the inside, you know, you can cover up for a lot of that with scheming. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I have Shane Lemieux much higher on my list. I'll give that away right now. Um, I think he's the kind of guy that can – that can be every down um, you can count on him to make the right pl- make the right decision. Um, I was a huge fan of that Oregon offensive line. 
I thought that they were tremendous. I watched them against Auburn early in the season uh, to start with, and that's where it stood out to me because, as you are going to hear later, there are a couple of Auburn defensive linemen that are going to make our lists here tonight as well. So they did a tremendous job against that pass rush. Um, I, I think that they have a really strong group there and, and some guys that are going to be on this list tonight. So um, with that, I am actually starting with an Oregon Duck as well, um, center Jake Hansen. Um, Jake Hansen was a durable four-year starter. Um, this kid is everything that you want out of a center. He is smart, uh, reliable. He's going to make the right decision. He's going to compete for a starting job early on in his career, I believe. Um, so, you know, the, it, it, what are his weaknesses, really? Um, he's, he's not, like, really big really strong like he might struggle to anchor against some of the the big nose tackles at the next level um he had a couple of bad snaps so there has been a little bit of inconsistency there um but i really like uh jake hansen um and he's at number 10 here on my list number nine on my list is matt hennessy um another center uh from temple Matt Hennessy has been uh, another guy that is very reliable, very uh, you can you can count on him. Um, and let's just take a look at some of his strengths. He grades out a little higher than Jake Hansen does, um, but I don't think that his level of competition was as strong as what Hansen saw. Hansen every year had to had to go up against those guys. Utah historically has great interior defensive linemen. Um, so, you know, Hennessy is, um, he was like a team captain, one of the tough guys uh, with Temple. Um, he, he has great technique, great leverage, um, builds a strong base. He's undersized. He, he needs to add some size at the next level. Um, he also needs to make sure that he can climb to the next level as well when he's blocking get to the next level and get on that linebacker. Um, he's not a guy that's going to play guard. He is a center. So he doesn't have that versatility. Therefore, he'll fall a little bit in the draft, I believe. Um, but I like Matt Hennessy here at nine. Um, at nine, I have um, Ben Bredson from Michigan. Uh, so he is a pretty good offensive lineman. He's, again, another one that's very good against the run. He's going to struggle sometimes against the pass. Um, big, uh, gashing defensive tackles who are quick off the ball are going to give him a hard time. Uh, because he doesn't have the length to reach out and kind of get his hands on people right away. Uh, he struggled with those those types of uh, defenders at the college level, but very dependable. Um, starter for four years at Michigan, which obviously goes to tell you something about his competition and his work ethic and things like that. Um, very good on the run. Um, knocking people over, getting to the second level. All things that are going to be strengths for uh, Ben as he moves forward. And then at eight, I have... John Simpson of Clemson. Um, so this one, you know, if you pick the wrong game, you have John Simpson a lot lower to watch. Uh, you definitely got to look at he, – he struggled a little bit against Alabama, which, you know, isn't a knock when you see some of the guys they have out there. But being the starter for the last two years for Clemson, um, he's very good, very strong. Um, he, he's not going to be one that gets to the second level very often, I don't think just based on his size and uh, some of his – you just didn't see it a lot at Clemson. When he gets a hold of you, you're not going anywhere. 
Uh, but as far as going out and making that second block, that's not something he's going to do. So, again, it's going to based on what kind of um, rushing offense do you have. Yeah. Uh, number eight for me, uh, Solomon Kindley, uh, guard from Georgia. So this is – I think you're going to see a lot of um, – variance between my list and Tom's here when we talk about interior offensive linemen because it's about the kind of guys that you like a, a certain style or um, so for me Solomon Kindley has that nastiness he is he is a big nasty dude that he can when it comes to power if you want a power run guy he, he's the kind of guard that you want to draft the problem is he has technique issues so he's a little raw I think Solomon Kinley is going to be really strong at the next level if he gets in with a good offensive line coach that can teach him the proper technique and and have him, you know, in the right positions. That's more important with him than being in the weight room because he's got the raw power, the raw athleticism, and uh, you know he he hung tough against guys like Javon Kinlaw, uh, who is embarrassing a lot of offensive linemen. So I really like Solomon Kindley. Um, he's at number eight for me on the interior offensive line. Uh, at number seven, I have Logan Stenberg. Logan Stenberg is a Kentucky product, and Logan Stenberg is he's solid. He, he's just all around a solid football player. And the big thing with him is he seems to have word is that he gets away with a lot of sneaky holds, but he always knows where to be good cerebral kid that's got some athleticism he just doesn't have the frame of a guy that's uh, gonna dominate interior defensive lineman at the next level so Logan Stenberg to me is a guy that you can plug in there he can play he's gonna keep you out of trouble um, but against the 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 stud interior defensive lineman at the next level I think he could have some problems all right uh, so at seven I have Tyler badass from wisconsin <laughs> as he's referred to by his uh teammates um tyler would be so much higher on this list if it wasn't for the injuries the last year um coming into the year a lot of people thought he might be one of the best offensive linemen coming out uh this season um but he did suffer a few injuries i want to get to those here i have them uh yeah he had to have hip surgery in the winter after the year um with that, it's a little scary, right? Uh, playing at Wisconsin, you already know he's tough. You know he's physical. Um, all of those things, he checks all those boxes. Uh, he's got ideal size for the inside. 6'3", 321, big physical guard. Um, it'll just be interesting to see that hip injury and how much that affects him. But his skill level is right up there with the top group in, in this class. It just sees how, how much that hip injury is going to affect his draft stock. Um, then six, I have Nick Harris from Washington. Uh, let me get his profile up. So another guy, a uh, lot of lot of time and college senior. Um, he is very good at getting out in space, taking care of corners on screens. Um, they run a tunnel screen at Washington a lot, and he was usually the guy out in front, just plowing over linebackers and safeties to make room for it. Um, he's, I think that ability to get out in space is going to make him very um, desirable for certain offenses, right? Think of the offenses that are quick through those quick screens, uh, things like that. He's going to be very uh, interesting for them. He played center and guard at college, which again, 
I think a lot of NFL teams love that kind of versatility to be able to move you around a little bit if need be. Um, so that's where I have Harris. Yeah. Um, uh, Nick Harris just missed my list. Um, and um, Tyler Biotis is uh, higher on mine. So yeah. um, at number six for me is Damian Lewis. Um, Damian Lewis is a absolute road grader that just pancakes people, drives them downfield. Um, if you're looking for power run game, Damian Lewis is the kind of guard you want. Um, he, I mean, he, he literally, he's always looking to, in, in the past game, he's always trying to find someone to, to pick up. He doesn't get lazy or complacent. Um, he's faced some of the best defensive linemen. Um, that you'll see uh, in this draft in Raquan Davis, Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson. Um, he, he, you're never going to get him bull rushed. He's not going to get run over. Um, problem with Damian Lewis is uh, he, he's you're not going to want him in a zone run scheme where you've got him moving laterally, where you've got him trying to get out and pull or you know lead on screens. That that's not what his game is, and his ability to climb to the second level is concerning to me. Um, but for interior, I want to hammer the rock. I need three yards here. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and run behind big Damian Lewis um, out of LSU and, and follow him to, to pay dirt. Um, at five, I have his teammate who played alongside him, Lloyd Cushenberry. Uh, Cushenberry is a center. Um, he'll play center at the next level uh, is my expectation. I don't think that he'll move off of that position. Uh, powerful kid. Um, he, he, he does a great job technically. Um, I'm not sure that, again, stretch game, uh, zone scheme, I'm not sure that that's going to make a whole lot of sense for Cushenberry. Um, I would be concerned about twists and stunts and things like that getting uh, becoming a challenge uh, for him or guys getting on his edge if you really spread it out and you know, that's where Cushenberry will struggle. But when he needs to anchor against a, a big interior defensive lineman, he will do that. Um, and I think that his experience on that team uh, going to a national championship as the center, I, th I think that's a, a great experience for him to have, and I think he'll be really good at the next level. All right, so we're already up to number five here, huh? Yeah. I have Robert Hunt. Um, so Robert Hunt's a bit bit of a smaller cool school from the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Um he has everything you want in size. He has everything you want in mobility. Um, the big question for him is going to be when he comes up to the big level of the NFL, it's going to be a learning curve for him. Um, how much of a learning curve is, is going to be the big question? And how do NFL teams see that learning curve going for him? Uh, he's very good. He played guard. Um, just big, strong. I mean, Six five three thirty six. He weighed in and at. He's a a big guy. Um, I'm a big fan of his raw skill set. We'll see what he when he ends up being. This is uh, four is where I have Matt Hennessy from Temple. Um, super smart. Uh, he at Temple was given the single digit jersey, which is something they do to uh, honor captains and that's um, a practice jersey for the toughest players. Uh, so he was given that. Uh, from his teammates they have to vote on that uh, which goes to show just some of his um, leadership ability at the center position uh, very scrappy very very physical at that um, position 
he seems to have a great idea of how to set up blocks and then how to finish blocks. Um, again, ideal size, 6'4", 300 pounds. Well, I have him at four. Yeah. Um, you know, I easily could have moved him up my list too. Um, yeah. you know, I, I think that he's, he's really good. Um, at four for me is Shane Lemieux. Um, all the reasons that you mentioned, I think that he's going to be great at the next level. I think the Oregon offensive line was great. The experience that he got there was great. Um, so, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of arm length, but usually not a concern at the guard position. Right. Um, and, it, you know, he, his uh, lateral movement was a little questionable at times. But otherwise, I think he's going to he's gonna fit right in, be a starter, and, you know, maybe even a Pro Bowl caliber starter uh, after a few years of, of mixing it up with the big boys in the NFL. Um, at three, I have Natani Mutai from Fresno State. Um, he is uh, – he plays guard – he bench pressed 44 reps at the combine. He is strong. He has the physical build that you would expect. He knocks people back immediately. Um, he didn't have, here's the thing again, near the top of my list, I have guys with injury concerns. Um, this is beginning to be a little bit of a pattern where I'm looking at guys, long-term potential and, not accounting for their injuries at the college level, which is very risky to do. If I were if I were working in yeah. a, a scouting role, it would be um, I'd be risking my job every time that I was sticking my neck out for somebody like Natani Mutai or Tua Tagovailoa. But I'll tell you what, if I had both of those guys on my team, I'd be happy about it as of right now until week six when they're both on the IR. <laughs> yeah, Mutai is somebody that I I couldn't even put on my list. Um, Missed three out of the last four seasons. Um, Achilles injury twice, and then the Liz Frank injury. Those those injuries are all lower body. They're all scary. Yeah. Um, when he's out there, he's unbelievable. His injuries are, are just scary. Yeah. All right. So I have three. I have Jonah Jackson from Ohio State. Um, you want to talk about somebody who's been around and, and seen a little bit of everything. Uh, Jonah Jackson's right up there with him. Uh, redshirt senior, perfect size, uh, definitely a versatile player. I think this is one of the guys that you can see go into multiple sets of offensive line blocking schemes and be fine. Uh, he's not going to really be out of place. He's able to move. He's able to use his strength. Um, people just rave about his ability to anchor, take on um, – power rushes and just stymie them. His pass protection is very, very good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes, but I have him at three. And then at two, this is where I have Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, I think he can do everything. Um, I also think he's best suited to stay at center at the next level. I know a lot of people um, that I've been reading have, have kind of pointed that he'll maybe move to guard in the, in the NFL. Um, but I really think that, again, having the versatility makes you desirable. Yeah, maybe we do want you to be our starting guard, but if our center gets hurt, we know we can kick you in and we'd be good to go. So a lot of and that will, will add to his value. On, on successful teams, you know, if you get behind a center at the NFL level, like, you know, let's say one of the Pouncey in, in yeah. uh, Pittsburgh, say he lands there, perfect sense for him to plug in at guard first. Right. And then take over that job when Pouncey moves on, retires, whatever happens, you know. So, th those are situations that you uh, you want that versatility. Even though he's best slotted as a center, and I agree on that. Um, but 
um, if he has to plug in at guard for a couple of years until he gets his opportunity to lead a team as the, the leading offensive line as a center, then, you know, so be it. I have uh, at two, uh, this is where I have Tyler Biotis. Um, I think he's insanely good. I, again, another um, injury-riddled guy, um, talented guy. I think we ended up landing on the same guy at one here now Yeah. Um, based on, on what I'm seeing here, and that's uh, Cesar Ruiz. Correct. Um, Michigan. Yeah. He's a he's, there's nothing not to like about yeah. him. Yeah, um, been through the wars in, in the Big Ten, which is a big, you know, pass rush, stop the or, you know, run blocking uh, kind of conference, and he's excelled there. Um, just dominant at center at times. Um, everything about all his measurables are exactly where you want him to be. Uh, everything about him, uh, personality wise, everything like that. He's got a little bit of the. Uh, nasty where he likes to finish but nothing that ha- seems to have taken away from the team you know sometimes you get those guys who are nasty but it ends up being you know personal fouls or hits after the play and mixing it up he doesn't seem to be that he just finishes blocks and finishes them emphatically yeah um he he's going to be great at the next level he's going to be uh, a top end offensive lineman for a number of years i believe so um should be should be really fun to watch him play and um lead an offensive line for for years to come and uh, that's a wrap on interior offensive linemen now it's time to talk about the names that you hear a whole lot more (laughs) and these offensive tackles this is a this class is being raved about at the top end um i'm not sure how deep that really goes i i think that um there are 10 guys on here that i could see starting at some point on my list, I'm sure you have some different people on your list that, that you think could end up in, in starting roles or being a swing tackle that's plugging in in situations when you get down near 8, 9, 10. That's kind of where I see these guys. Um, I'll, I'll jump right in, uh, if you don't mind, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Um, Isaiah Wilson from Georgia is where I started. Um, Isaiah Wilson is uh, six foot six, 350 pounds, um, athletic for his size um he is so he's known as uh he's got this massive frame huge guy um mauls and seals uh, at the edge right um he's gotten better as a pass protector um not necessarily the best at that right now but i think that's something he can develop um doesn't have a ton of experience though um I'm a, I'm a little concerned about his mobility and if, if it's going to be – we'll talk about this more with Mekhi Becton and his size later on. Um, but, you know, with, with huge guys like this, uh, if their footwork isn't clean, it's concern, it can be a concern on the edge. Um, that's why I've got him down at 10. If I were just looking at him getting on somebody on, on DeAndre Swift, taking it to the edge, I mean, I love the kid but my concerns are in the pass protection game. I have Isaiah Wilson at 10 as well. Oddly enough. <laughs> um, so he, he's huge. He's uh, very strong. I mean, intimidating. Um, I think two things about him make him 10 for me and not higher. And I say not higher because I think he has a very large ceiling. He's only a redshirt sophomore. Um, so I think this is someone who maybe could have benefited from another year in college and maybe upped his personal ante a little bit. Uh, maybe he got himself into the top five of next year's draft, but he's coming out now. And uh, 
he needs to work on some of the details of being an offensive tackle. Like you're saying, footwork, some of his kickback, his, his flexibility in that. Uh, he needs to work on some of that stuff. But he could be a right tackle pretty pretty quickly. You could see him stepping in just based on size and length alone. And, um, you know, Georgia runs the ball with a nasty edge, and their offensive linemen are a big reason why, and he, here's one of them. Um, so I also have him at, at 10. And then at 9, I have Prince Tega Wanahago. That was close. Um, Tom, guess who I've got at 9? You do not. I do. <laughs> Um, for the record, neither of these are popular picks at these two spots. No. <laughs> um, but I, I feel the same way about him. He is a redshirt senior, but he has he started football late, right? Yeah. So he does not have a, a lot of um, uh, experience to draw off of as, as some other people. Uh, another huge guy, very long able to really get a hold of people better athleticism i think than wilson when it comes to getting out in front yeah i watched him at auburn obviously very closely being a auburn fan war eagle rest in peace vic henley um it's uh i saw a lot of him he did a uh, an amazing job um getting out in front or making those those stretch type blocks that he needs to so i liked that part of his game a lot um, I the, like him more as a left tackle. Like I see Isaiah Wilson as a right tackle. Yeah, that's where he's going to be the big physical right tackle guys you've seen yeah. for years. I think Prince can be a left tackle, so yeah. there's more value there. Yeah, yeah, I think Prince is going to be. Uh, I think he'll be strong at the next level. Um, I think he, he's got some developing to do because sure. he started late. Um, but he's he's a nice project to sit behind a, a good offensive line right now. Um, eight for me was Ezra Cleveland. Okay, we're different now. We're different. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I hate when we're exactly the same on stuff. Um, Ezra Cleveland from Boise State. Um, I didn't figure Tom would have him on here because he hates Boise State. Boise State products. I don't hate Boise State. I hate one guy. <laughs> Tom is anti-Boise State products. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going on the record with that. Um, so Ezra Cleveland is uh, athletic. Um, he's great in the, the run game. Um he is he's consistent smooth you know his quickness is there um you know he's patient he doesn't he doesn't just lurch at guys when they're trying to pass rush on the edge um his his strength is is the concern can he anchor um is he going to get bull rushed by guys at the next level um so that's why Ezra Cleveland falls at eight for me and I have um Austin Jackson from USC at eight so I feel the same way about the last two. Um, all of the physical gifts you'd want at a tackle, but needs to, to work on his, his craft a little bit, right? Um, you see sometimes he is just dominant uh, on in some of the tape. I watched, uh, actually I think it was, no it wasn't Boise State, it was Utah. Just really getting Bradley and I to the ground a few times just really looked very awesome. But then you see other games where... He's, A.J. Epinesa made him look terrible. Yeah, you see other games, yeah, that's the a power power into his body is something he'll have to work on. And the crazy thing is he has enough length that that should not be a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of his hand placement is not up to where it needs to be. He's not getting his hands on people soon enough. With, with his reach, he should be punching into their chest way before they get off the ball. Um, but that's something he can work on. And I think these tackles where we're talking 7, 8, 9, 10, these are guys who have the, the size, the, some of the physical traits, but need to work on some of this, these little details, which 
being an offensive tackle may look like it's just being big and physical. There is so much detail that goes into the hand fighting, um, the bend, getting getting your hands on people, getting your footwork, your base to where it needs to be. There's a lot to it, and I think yeah. he misses some of that, especially with the hand fighting. Yeah. And then at seven, I have Matt Pert from UConn. Amazing that someone from that UConn team is going to the NFL. <laughs> yeah, they're not very good. They've been so bad for a number of years now. But our good friend Matthew here is a six foot seven, three hundred ten pound man, and yeah, he moved from guard to tackle in college. So same thing, right? He needs to work a little bit on his craft. He's the perfect size, shape, everything about him screams to you tackle. I think he might, again, based on being 6'7", might end up as a right tackle, um, but needs to work a little bit on some of the, the little things, making sure he's structurally sound with his balance and getting his hands on people correctly. Those little things moving from guard to tackle is a big transition. Um, doing it in college is one thing, but now moving to pro rushers is going to be a whole other ball game. So he may be somebody who needs to sit sit for a year, maybe work in a little bit uh, before he's able to start. Yeah. Um, and that, that kind of thing is, is common here at this point in, yes. in our list. So here's a guy at seven for me, um, Calvin Throckmorton, uh, the third Oregon offensive lineman that I'm bringing up here today already. Um, Calvin Throckmorton is undersized, physically limited, all those things, but he's a four-year starter with incredible intelligence, incredible technique. He knows what to do, where where to do it. Will he be overwhelmed by the great pass rushers at the next level? Probably, um, but I think this is a guy that's going to be a swing tackle. He's probably going to be the third tackle on teams, and he'll be plugging in and starting a bunch of games along the way. There also talk of tackle-to-guard prospect. He could be moving inside because he has limited length. Um, but his technique is so good, Tom. I mean, when you watch him, he's just doing everything right. His footwork is perfect. He climbs the next level. He knows where to be. He knows when to be there. Uh, Throckmorton is going to be hes going to be valuable in the NFL. He's, he's not going to be a star, but he's going to be valuable, and he's going to have – I really believe he'll have a long career, you know, maybe eight, eight, nine years of just, you know, moving around a little bit because he's going to be that third tackle type guy at the next level. Uh, at six – I have a guy who fell off a lot of people's boards um, because of injury. Again, um, this is Trey Adams from Washington. Uh, Trey Adams was perhaps the top tackle prospect going into the season before last. Um, everyone saw him as an amazing offensive tackle that's doing all the right things. Um, you know, he's got all the athleticism in the world um, at that point. He suffered some injuries. Uh, including a back injury. Um, that's very concerning because the, that's a very impactful position you're playing. You're, you're, you're taking impact all day long. Um, his body type isn't perfect. Um, he doesn't play as long and as, as big as he is. Um, you know, he might, he might not have the same athleticism that he once had. But I think as a decorated prospect and a guy who was um, looked at as one of the top tackles in college football a few years ago, this kid is worth a shot at the next level if he can get healthy. Yeah, he scares me. Um, back injury last year, the, the year before that, he had the uh, ACL injury. Yep. Um, he definitely scares me there. 
Um, my guy also has an injury, which is why when you said that, I was like, oh, man, do we have the same guy? <laughs> Lucas Niang from TCU. I love watching him play football. He, uh, another big right tackle type, 6'7", 328. Um, he had a hip injury at the end of the year. Um, very good, at, super athletic for his size. His, his testing is really good. Um, fast, quick, somebody who should be able to get out to the second level, somebody who um, is going to be a starter in this league. Um, if you watch his game against Ohio State, he went up um, against Chase Young, and Chase Young had one play. The one play was a big sack, <laughs> but the rest of the game he held them him to pretty much nothing, um, not even pressure, so uh, very good tackle i think he is going to be on the right side uh in the nfl just based on his size and kind of skill set but very physical very able to get out from underneath himself and, and get out there and make blocks at five i have josh jones from houston um and this is where we start getting into for me yang um once we get to the top five here i, I i'm pretty sure we're gonna have the same five names in just orders. in different orders yeah, yeah. including this one <clears throat> um you're going to start seeing guys who are probably more suited to uh, jump in right away. Um, I think Niang, if he gets put as a right tackle, could start for a lot of teams You know, in September. Um, here we have Josh, John, um, Josh Jones. Uh, very good uh, player out of Houston. Another big guy, 6'5", 3'11". He's able to get out in the open space. He seeks out contact down the field. Um a lot of times on screenplays, he's out hunting for people. Um, he needs to work on a few things with his feet, but he's big, physical. Uh, I know, Kevin, you're a big fan of him in general here. Yeah, uh, He's number one on my board. I'll, I'll, I'll break the <laughs> – I'll talk more about him, but he's, he's number yeah. one on my board, which is – I'm. it's not the same as anyone else out there that I've seen, but I, I love him. Yeah, a very um, – needs a little bit of polish, but definitely able to knock people around. Um, get out in space and make make hits, which um, somebody his size is is scary to think about. His, his, one of the big knocks on Josh Jones, and I might as well you know give you kind of a little breakdown on him now. Um, one of the big knocks was the level of competition that he was facing. Then he faced the best players coming out in the draft at the Senior Bowl, and he was erasing guys. He was laying them flat. Um, this is their showcase. Get nobody's going half speed there. Everybody's giving it everything they've got, and I watched him in practice just washing guys. I watched him just completely pancake Jason Strobridge from North Carolina, you know, who's, who made my list for for um, interior defensive linemen today, today that you'll hear earlier. I mean, he's he, against great competition that he saw there. He was washing dudes out. Um, I think he has all the tools to be a stud left tackle in this league for a long, long time. Year five. Oh, number five for me. Mackay Becton. Um, a lot of people really like Becton. Um, I have concerns about his size. I mean, he's huge. He, he, he's monstrous. And could his weight become an issue at some point? Um, is he going to have problems without the natural quickness that you need at, their, at that left tackle position? Um, especially if he plays left tackle. I mean, if, if you've got him as the number one ranked O tackle, you know, chances are he's going to be a left tackle in this league. I think all of these guys are likely left tackles. Um, that are remaining, uh, maybe with the exception of Jedrick Wills, I don't know. But um, 
Makai Becton is he's great at what he, he he's strong he's an athletic freak he's uh, performed extremely well at the combine and what he did do he just ran a 40 in 5-1 but at 300 and whatever pounds he is it was very impressive but my concerns are the speed rushers guys that head to the edge and then duck under him um you know I'm concerned that he's going to get thrown off balance um his balance is my biggest concern is is he going to be able to uh keep himself under control at that size and that, that massive body that he's got. And then uh, next for me, at number four, uh, Andrew Thomas from Georgia. Um, Andrew Thomas is, um, he, three-year starter, which is good. You know, three-year starter on a great team with, uh, you know, a great running game. Um, he can play either tackle spot. He is, um, he's, he's got like that quick twitch athleticism for a big guy, which you really like to see. Um, he's smart. He understands what's happening in front of him. He doesn't have that prototypical build and size. And, um, he's, uh, he's more of a mauler. Like he just, he, he, he does love to just hit guys and, and be aggressive. I'm concerned about his footwork. Um, particularly in the pass game uh that's where i i would be concerned about his his footwork more so than the run game um but i have andrew thomas at four because i think he's just going to be a little more reliable than mckay beckton so at four i have tristan Wirfs. um some people have him up a lot higher and the reason i have him at four there's nothing wrong with him as a player he's good he's he's very good at run blocking obviously coming from iowa you know, smash or straight ahead. He's able to do that all day. I think that the problem I have with him and ranking him higher than this is people automatically want to move him to guard already. Uh, people see him more as a guard sometimes. So to me, that says he's not that good as a tackle. And if people are not sure if they want to move him to guard, that means they're not sure that he's going to be a tackle. Um, so we're talking about drafting somebody this high that's either a right tackle or maybe a guard. Um, I'm going to keep him a little lower on my tackle list, but everything about him is good. He's, he's tough. He's uh, physical, um, which are all the traits of a good right tackle or a good guard. He, um, you know, six, five, three, 22, everything there checks off, uh, everything. There's no real big knocks I have on him other than the fact that some people are not sure he's going to be able to be a tackle in the NFL. And the reason that I should add to that, why, um, is, setting the edge as a, as a tackle is he's able to kick back, get in place and absorb fast people as they get around the corner. Um, they're not sure he's able to do that because he took a beating against Michigan, um, was not able to set, get set and, and make blocks on Uche, which we'll talk about. I'm sure when we get to our edge rushers, um, and because they they saw that time and time again in that game, people started to really worry if this is going to be a speed thing that just he's never going to be able to fix. So I have him at four, and at three is where I have Mackay Becton. Um, I think he's you know he's definitely got a bit of more of a um, concern over my top two. I think the top three that I have here, all their upside is all all pro guys, right? If Mackay Becton. Um, is able to stay balanced, he's going to be very, very good. Uh, his size alone um, is crazy. His athleticism for his size is just unreal. Um, but will he be able to bring that 
week in, week out, stay sound underneath himself. Um, you know, like you were talking about his balance with big guys, it, it is easy to overextend yourself and get lifted and get pushed to the side. Um, but he's just, he's huge. He, he's able to in, in the combine and in game film, you can see his athleticism all the time. Um, so I have him at three. Yeah. I have Tristan Wirfs at three. Um, so, you know, Wirfs makes sense there to me. I think he's right around where we think a, a lot of those same limitations that we talked yeah. about are why he's at three for me. Um, so, you know, I like I like Tristan Wirfs. I think he's going to be a solid NFL player. I think even if they end up moving him to guard, it's going to be because they have a great tackle already. They're going to have a really good tackle there if they're going to be moving him off of that position. Um, so, you know, I, I really do like him. He's at three for me. Jedrick Wills is at two for me. Um Jedrick Wills from Alabama. Here's my only concern with Jedrick Wills. <clears throat> he's He's been so dominant throughout his career that sometimes you see almost a little laziness sneaking in. Um, I, I read a thing saying that he likes to one-punch guys instead of sustaining blocks. Well, you can one-punch guys when you're physically completely dominant and you just pop them one time and they're on their back or they're so far off course that they're never going to get in the backfield. But at the NFL level, you don't do that to guys. And if he doesn't learn to sustain blocks at the next level, he's not going to last. Um, he's not going to be an all-pro. So th- that's something that he really has to work on. Um, but I really like him as a prospect. I think he's the cleanest of the prospects and the most developed of the prospects. Um, but, you know, uh, Jedrick Wills falls just under my highest ceiling guy that we talked about earlier. Um, at two, I have Andrew Thomas of Georgia. Um, three-year starter at left tackle for uh, the Bulldogs. Um Things about Georgia that make it great are you have a pro scheme, you have a pro-style offense, you're running the ball, you're doing play action, you're doing five-step drops, all of that he's already familiar with. There's going to be no learning curve as far as that goes. Um, very powerful, very quick on his feet. Um, yeah, I mean, I there's not much that I saw in him that makes me really concerned three years of battling against the SEC's best defensive lineman has really battle tested him. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see what team gets him and uh, what he does in the NFL. Cause I really think that he's just, he's, he's going to be very good. I think he's gonna be very good right away, uh, which not all these guys, as we've talked about, have that ability. And number one, I have Jedrick Wills. Um, he's just amazing as a prospect. When you watch his film, just, he's, per- he seems perfect. Like, it's almost boring to watch because he doesn't get himself in bad positions very often. You know, the guy the, the makes, he makes all their guys look bad as they're trying to rush against him. He, he stops them. It looks boring. No one's getting by him. He's just, he's where he needs to be. He's big and physical enough to get his hands on people and to keep them where they, they are. Um, watching a couple games of film of him was really just not much fun. He's just, yeah, he's just there. He's just, doing exactly what he's supposed to do and not letting anyone buy him. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and my number one was Josh Jones. Um, we've talked about him. I, I'm a huge fan. I'm higher on him than everyone else that I've heard. Um, but I think he's going to be the best left tackle out of this group in five years. Um, Tom, give me a quick recap. Your top five in their order, five to one. Uh, five to one. Josh Jones, Tristan Wirfs, Mackay Becton, Andrew Thomas, and Jedrick Wills Jr. And I have uh, Mackay Becton at five, Andrew Thomas at four, Tristan Wirfs at three, Jedrick Wills at two, and Josh Jones at one. Um, 
when we come back from our break, we are going to jump in on tight end, um, which is a not so great class this year. But we're gonna <laughs> not at all. we're gonna try to see what we can do to find some uh, some diamonds in the rough out of this group. We'll be right back, and we are back. Tom and I were just enjoying our little break here, watching some uh, Dave Portnoy uh, pizza reviews. Uh, El Presidente, if you will, the press. <laughs> Cracks me up with, with his pizza reviews, man. So funny. Um, Tom, you had a point that you wanted to bring up here uh, regarding the offensive tackles before we move on to tight ends. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about uh, Sadiq Charles from LSU. Um, he, as a player, as a football player, is in the top ten. Uh, as far as skill, ability, but he was suspended for six games for personal reasons, and the team did not disclose that to the public. Yeah, personal conduct policy. Personal right? conduct, yeah. So um, the the team will probably let this be known to NFL teams when they're calling around doing their checks, so I know that they'll find out what it is about, and they'll have to make their decisions there. So he's definitely an interesting name I'm going to be keeping an eye on uh, because he has all the ability in the world, but – you know, depending on what six games for a team that was contending for a national title to suspend yeah. one of your best players it had to be something pretty bad. So um, it'll be interesting to see kind of watch his name and see if he gets drafted or maybe he falls undrafted and some team scoops him up as uh, with low risk, you know, signing him as yeah. a undrafted free agent. It'll be interesting to see what happens with him. So I just wanted to throw that out there before we move to tight ends. Yeah. And as we transition to tight ends, uh, let's start with this disclaimer. Yes. This tight end class is not good. Not good. Um, I was just, we were talking a little bit, and I said, I don't think I would draft any of these guys before the third round. I think somebody will get drafted in the second round, maybe a couple of guys. Um, but I don't see, definitely don't see first round talent here. Um, don't see game breaking talent yeah. out of this class at all. Um, you know, I'll, I'll jump right in starting at 10 for me. And, and, and another thing about this, though, before I, before I even go there, is uh, when you're looking at tight ends, you have multiple types of tight ends. You've got guys who can block at the end of the line. These are inline blockers that can do a great job there and also catch the ball. Usually those are your, your steady, great hands guys um, that will catch the pass in short yarder situations but not game breakers, not stretch the field. You're Mark Campbells. Yeah, absolutely, that that type. Dan Campbell too, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's a family thing. <laughs> so at 10 for me is one of the stretch the field guys, and that's Albert Aquabunum from Missouri. Um, he's a guy that can – he can take the top off of the interior of a defense. He's a really good down-the-field receiving tight end. I don't see his blocking game as that impressive, but I like Aquabunum as a, as a nice stretch-the-field option, and I think he'll have a place on a roster in the NFL. And um, In fact, he's on my roster on my uh, Madden action right now. So, <laughs> Yeah, I think it's important to, to have that disclaimer about tight ends. A couple things about tight ends that, are, that make this a little difficult compared to some of the other positions. Uh, College game does not translate well at tight end to the NFL either. Um, they're asked to do a lot of different things in the NFL that maybe they're not used to doing in college. Um, and the ability to make big plays uh, just really isn't there in college as often. Um, so you'll see some guys on here that maybe have those big play ability, but then you they more likely have um, some issues with uh, blocking. And then blocking becomes a huge part in the NFL. You need to be reliable uh, at both. So um, I have Sh um, Cheyenne O'Grady from Arkansas at 10. Uh, he is a very interesting person. Um, he's got really good physical skills. He actually left the team this year, though. Uh, had some issues. Um, 
you know, they're not really made public a lot of his issues, but he did leave the team due to them. So we can't that whole program was in disarray this sure. year though. So you can't really uh, make too many assumptions, but it can't be good. Um, but as far as a football player, uh, short passes, you know, being able to block and then you release and get out for little passes as a dump off option. He's great at that little crossers, things like that. He's going to do very well. He's not really going to stretch the field, but when he does catch the ball, he runs with a bit of an attitude. Oh, he's trying to, uh, you know, he's one of those ones who, who doesn't want to get tackled and does his best to try to, uh, make everyone remember they tackled him, uh, by laying the wood. Yeah. Number nine, I have Thaddeus Moss. Um, Thaddeus Moss is probably the most hyped tight end in the draft. Um, and by hyped, I mean overhyped. Uh, he had made some big plays at LSU in big games, which gives him some of that. And also his um, his name and his, his dad, <laughs> yeah. being Randy Moss, gives him a little bit of hype. He just doesn't do it for me as a past catcher. Uh, very good inline blocker at LSU. Helped out the running game a ton there. So that is going to translate well to the NFL, which is why he gets 2-9 for me. Um, he does have very good hands, but he does not have very good ability to get open. He's not stretching the field um, at the NFL level. Um, so I, I have him at 9. Yeah, uh, Thaddeus must just missed my list. Um, his lack of burst as, uh, as a tight end you know, concerned me. I didn't see him as a guy that's going to, I don't think he's going to create separation at the next level. I think he was schemed open at LSU, um, particularly yeah. like he had that long ass touchdown in the playoffs, and it was it was a scheme related thing. He's just running by himself down the sideline, and and not he, he doesn't show the athleticism that I want to see out of a tight, out of the modern NFL tight end. Um, nine for me is Jacob Breland. Jacob Breland also, yeah, I mean, he doesn't show amazing athleticism by any any stretch. I was telling Tom uh, a few minutes ago that what I like about Breland is when he was healthy, um, he was a guy that Herbert wanted to look to um, in big situations. Uh, I see some some questions about his ball catching ability, but I didn't see a whole lot of drops that that really brought that into question for me. Um, what I love the most about Breland is he's crafty. And that's the best way I can describe him is they talk about how he um, he changes his route speed. So he'll be going like three quarter speed and then put his foot in the ground and, and accelerate. Um, so I think his craftiness lends him a spot in the NFL, um, even though his blocking is suspect and um, he's not explosive downfield. I think his craftiness will find seams in zone defenses and allow him to be a second tight end at the NFL level. And um, at eight for me is Charlie Werner, six five two forty four Georgia. Um, you know this is a guy. He ran a four seven eight forty. That's that's plenty for a a tight end. He is um, he's nasty. Um, he was used like a fullback a lot. Um, he he's a great blocker. Um, he's uh, he might be undersized to be on the end of the line. Um, but I can see this being a guy who, you know, comes in motion and lead blocks in that fashion. Um, I, I think that that part of um, what he does is really good. Um, his speed and athleticism will allow him time on the field. Um, he, he didn't catch a lot of balls at Georgia. Um, and, and that's a little... Uh, you would think in that pro-style offense that he would be a good fit and he would catch a lot. 
Um, he didn't catch a lot of the contested balls thrown his way. Uh, some of that part is is not super impressive for me. Um, but I think he has a place in the NFL um, doing, you know, just what we talked about, getting in there and blocking, being aggressive. I think he's got a, a nice nastiness to him uh, that is important out of somebody who is a second tight end at the NFL level. Uh, number eight, I have Jared Pinckney out of Vanderbilt. Um, you know, he's he's fine. He's not going to amaze you by anything, but he's, he's well-rounded. He can catch the ball. Uh, he can block. None of this he does exceptionally well, but he does everything solidly. So I have him at eight. And then I have Josiah Daguerre out of Cincinnati at seven. Um, this guy's got some speed. Um, he's, he's able to move a little bit. A little smaller at 245 at some of these guys in 6'3". Um, but he's definitely able to make some plays. He's one of these guys that's just tough and seems to be making plays all the time on, on third down. So I have him at 7. Yeah. Um, so funny thing here. I have Pinkney at 7 and Degora at 6. Um, so for me, um, Pinkney I really liked. I watched a lot of film on Pinkney. And um, when he gets in open space, he looks like a nasty runner. Um, aggressive and I liked his hands he caught everything with his hands I didn't see any body catches I didn't see any struggles fighting the ball um, so I really liked what I saw out of Pinckney uh, Degora is a guy that I think at the next level um, has the opportunity to first off he's coming from tight end you if you ask me uh, get you know, out of here <laughs> Tom doesn't want to hear that kind of stuff but no listen I mean Cincinnati has produced great tight ends and and I don't think that it's any coincidence that Notre Dame's head coach is Brian Kelly, who came from Cincinnati. Um, that those two schools have pedigreed tight ends like crazy. It, for whatever reason, those two schools seem to really do a great job of it. Degora is um, hes a guy that I can see blossoming into a nasty catch the ball, make big plays. He was making big plays everywhere on the field this year, and I really liked that about him. Um, so I, I think he's going to be a good player at the next level. All right. So for six, I have Albert Aquabunum from Missouri. Uh, I mean, he has size. He has a little bit of speed. Um, it'll be interesting to see as he grows as a kind of a route runner. He needs some help with that. Um, but, again, very athletic. Uh, very fast. He ran a really nice 40, if I remember correctly. Um, so I have him at six. Devin Asiasi from UCLA. Uh, another one I think that has some upside, but just, you know, these guys are all over the place. Um, Devin's more of an, a traditional tight end. He's going to block pretty well. He's going to be able to get in and make some plays on third down, you know, third and short. He's going to be able to be there for your, a safety net for your quarterback but he's not stretching the field, making big flashy contributions. Yeah. So uh, we're up to five now here, huh? Yep. Hunter Bryant for me at five. Um, Hunter Bryant is, um, he's more like a slot receiver than he is a tight end. Um, not going to be an, an end, end of the line type inline blocker. Um, huge um, 16.4 yards per catch in college. Explosive tight end. If you're looking for a guy um, in the Mike Kosicki mold in Miami or, you know, that's not really going to be on the end of the line making blocks for you but is going to stretch the seam, um, this is the kind of guy that you're going to look for. Um, you know, so that, that's where I see Hunter Bryant making it at the next level. 
Um, the next guy on my list is from a smaller school, Florida Atlantic, Harrison Bryant at five, at four rather. Harrison Bryant has all the tools, all the requisite tools that you'd want out of a tight end. He is, um, he just second level, third level down the field, um, can, can split out as a wide receiver. Um, he, he is aggressive as a blocker, um, he needs to improve some technique in his blocking skill. Um, he also needs to refine some of his pass running stuff. That's all his route running stuff. All that stuff, are, are those are things that you can fix. Um, that's what I love about Harrison Bryant. And honestly, when I got to the top four in my list, um, I felt like it was a toss-up between these four guys that I have here. Um, at four, I have Hunter Bryant um, from Washington. Kind of like you said, he he has more of upside as a pass receiver than some of these guys, uh, but very limited in what he's able to do. And it's it's mostly size. He's only 6'2", 239. He's more of a big wide receiver, uh, put it at tight end. Um, but because of that, he's able to run after the catch better than most of these guys, make plays after he gets the ball in his hands. Uh, but, you know, so he's not quite in the top three or four or not in the top three with some of these guys who are a little more well-rounded, but his skill set at catching and running with um, running after the catch are better than the guys we've previously mentioned. Uh, at three, I've Adam Troutman from Dayton. Uh, this kid's pretty talented. Uh, let's see here. Another big, big guy, 6'5", 251. Um, he's not a, the best blocker, and that's coming from Dayton. So I really have concerns of him being a in-line blocking tight end at the next level. I'm not sure if that's going to be something he's going to be able to do very well. Um, definitely something that can be worked on, and he can you know, add some, some weight to his body. He is pretty long. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes and what they try to do with him, if they just try to create mismatches or if they try to groom him into more of an in-line traditional blocker. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he... There, I'll talk more about him in a minute. <laughs> um, three for me is Cole Komet. Um, Cole Komet is the the prototype, right? This is what you want out of a tight end. Six foot six, two hundred and sixty two pounds. Um, you know, four seven forty, thirty seven inch vertical jump, huge broad jump. All the measurables were insane, and for one of the heaviest guys out of this tight end group to perform as well as he did in the agility related. Uh, things tells you that this is a kid that can be explosive and, and difficult to deal with. Um, good size, long arms. Um, he, he, uh, he finds catch space. He, you know, he creates separation. Um, he goes up and gets the ball. Um, those things are huge with him. And, um, he's got, uh, his, his blocking maybe could use a little bit of work, but I think those are all things that he can, uh, develop again, the top three for me we're all like, you know, 1A, 1B, 1C. Um, so so I don't want it to, to be taken like I'm trying to slight Cole Komet. Um, I just like some of the upside on the other guys uh, coming up a little bit better. Um, and at number two for me is Bryson Hopkins. One of the big things with Bryson Hopkins is pedigree. Um, you know, his dad was um, Brad Hopkins, an all-pro offensive lineman for a number of years. Um, so you would think that the blocking thing would come natural to him, but it didn't at Purdue as much because he's so good at getting down the field. He ran a four six six forty. Um, he's fast. Um, he can jump up and get it. Thirty three and a half inch vertical. Um, his his blocking is concerning. He needs to get stronger. 
Um, you know, physical matchups are tough for him. Um, biggest concern with Bryson Hopkins is his drop rate. He dropped too many balls. Those are things you can fix, but I don't think you can just give someone the explosiveness with that body size that he has. Um, a lot of people have, have slotted Chase Claypool into the tight end group this year because he's worked out as a tight end for some teams. Um, Bryson Hopkins and Chase Claypool are similar players to me if Claypool gets moved down inside. Um, stretch tight ends. Hopkins, if he gains some some girth, some some muscle, I think that he can uh, he can be a tight end one in this league for, for years to come. Maybe not a top ten tight end in the league, but I think he will get a starting job. Yeah, I have Bryson Hopkins at number two as well. Um, definitely a plus receiver able to run most of the route tree that you're asking for as far as um, a tight end goes. Um, some of those shorter routes and the seam route, those things he's very good at. Um, blocking is his big concern, but that is something, one, that he may not be asked to do a ton of just based on his skill set. And two, it's something he can work on. I mean, he can he can chip and then release, and they can use him to double on guys um, on running downs. So there's ways they can mask that. But I think his upside as a receiver puts him at two. And then I have Cole Komet as number one. Um, you know, he, he is the, a kind of prototypical uh, tight end. He has the size. He has the ability to block. He has the ability to get open. Um, he seems to make large plays in every game you watch him play in. Uh, so really good at, at pretty much everything you ask a tight end. But nothing amazing either, right? So when the beginning we said none of these this this group is not great there's nobody who's going to go in the top 20 in this class i'm pretty confident of that i wouldn't even think any of them are going to go in the first round but we'll see if somebody gets greedy and and jumps up and tries to get one um but he's very good very good in the red zone big big catch rate radius able to make big plays that way i've said this over and over my uh, projections are based on how great are you going to be in five years um Adam Troutman is at one for me because of how great I think he can be in five years. Um, With added coaching um, at the next level, I think that all of his raw skills are so great. His production was so high um, that I think he's my top tight end off the board this year. Um, You know, I I really like him. Um, Competition is obviously the concern, but I think that he performed very well at the Senior Bowl against good competition, Um, winning against, you know, top level, you know, Division One you know, SEC power five players on a consistent basis. And that's what turned me um, from having him down around four five or six in this group to moving him to one. Um, so again, this tight end class stinks. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's no great way to put it. Um, but we're about to move to a group that I think is really fun. So yeah. um, Tom fire away here with some. Yeah. So interior defensive linemen are fun to watch. Um, they're asked to do a lot of different things. Uh, most of these guys that we're going to talk about play at multiple positions um, for their teams in college and are moved around and, and make plays all over the place. Um, I think this group is deep. Uh, you know, you're going to see 15, 20 of these guys go in the first five rounds. Probably um, we're only going to go over the, our top 10 list here. Uh, but a lot of these names you'll be hearing day one and day two. Um, they're very deep class. A lot of fun to watch this group and kind of grade them out. And at 10, I have um, Rashard Lewis from LSU. Um, Lawrence, right? Rashard Lawrence? So, yeah, Lawrence. Rashard Lawrence from LSU. So this guy uh, is somebody who played um, four years at LSU. 
nothing flashy about him. Um, there's nothing that you see that you're like, wow, he's amazingly fast. Oh, he's amazingly quick. No, none of that. He's, he's strong enough. He's big enough. And he plays everything um, hard. He plays very hard at every little thing he does. He's um, definitely going to play more in the interior, maybe even at nose tackle. Um, he's a big anchor, likes to just hold his point um, on against the run and allows people around him to make big plays, but uh, very good at that. He's definitely going to be picked, I would say, probably pretty early, but I have Richard Lawrence at 10. Okay. Uh, 10 for me is uh, Lecky Fotu from Utah. Um, so Fotu is going to be – He's going to be on the extreme interior of your defensive line. Uh, huge frame, girthy. Um, you know, he looks like a big, strong dude that's Haloti Nada type, you know, and not quite as big as Nada was, I don't think. Um, but, you know, he can two-gap. You know, he. I think he could also nose. Um, I, th- I think that um, his athleticism for his size is huge for him. Um little concerned about maybe a little bit of laziness at times um tends to stand up and and get stood up by guys that he shouldn't get stood up by but he faced some really good competition on the interior offensive line at Oregon um and I thought he did he held his own there um you know just he's not going to be involved in your pass rush he's a two down guy I I think that he's going to be in there and and help plug up the, the interior of your defensive line and there's a place for that in some defenses in the NFL so that's why I've got him at number 10. Uh, number nine, I've got Devon Hamilton, uh, Ohio State. Uh, Hamilton has athleticism as an interior defensive lineman. So um, he he doesn't – to me, he's a poor man's Derek Brown. Um, he, he's not going to dominate guys on the interior. Um, but there was a lot of uh, – Tom and I talked about Devon Hamilton a little bit, and we bounced stuff off about certain prospects that's – that's how we keep ourselves going throughout the week, but we never try to talk about our rankings at all or where we've got people placed because I think that it's best to do it right here in front of you guys for the first time. Um, he is a guy that the concerns about him is that he loses his gap integrity. He doesn't, he doesn't stay in, in proper position. Um, he isn't really a pass rusher, but he will create some penetration um, could develop more skills at the next level. Um, but I think that he's, uh, I think he's in a ro- defensive line rotation at the next level for sure. At nine, I have Jordan Elliott out of Missouri. Um, Jordan's got a lot of, uh, size to his advantage. Um, the problem for him is he doesn't always use it as his advantage. Uh, he's very quick off the snap and then sometimes just kind of, you know, gets that quick burst. And then just kind of goes with the flow wherever he's directed. Um, some of that is maybe his his whole job is just to fill a gap. I'm not exactly sure what some of the scheme was. However, he does have that that initial burst, which is so important on the defensive line to have that quick burst, that first little initial. Um, I think he needs to get a little more of that football IQ of okay, now what? What's my next step? What's my next plan? But that quick quick burst is going to get somebody to draft him. Um, I have him at. Nine and number eight, I have James Lynch from Baylor. Okay, so he's a little bit smaller, but he had 22 sacks um, at Baylor, which is pretty good for an interior defensive lineman. Um, 
He's going to be able to play a little bit everywhere. They had him all over the place at Baylor. They had him inside at nose tackle. They had him uh, playing more of a traditional D-tackle role and then a little bit on the outside um, on, on uh, blitzing plays where they had linebackers coming off to his sides. So a little bit of everything. He's very able to – or he's – He's very good at rushing the passer, obviously, which is going to be a huge asset for him. The thing with him that's odd is nothing jumps off the page with him as far as athletic ability. He's not he's not quick. He's not exceptionally fast. He just seems to have a nose for getting it done. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he lines up and where some defense decides to put him. Yeah. Um, so at eight for me uh, is Neville Gallimore from Oklahoma. Um, Gallimore is a guy that uh, is loaded with athleticism and potential. Um, can he fix some of the technique issues that he had? Though that that's where everybody talks about his problems. It's not physical ability. Um, it's all about whether or not he can. He plays too tall. He plays too high, and he allows people under his pads. So he needs to find a way to get lower, attack, and you know, control his body. So if he's able to do those things, um, you know, he, he's going to become a really good player at the next level. Um, right now though, he, he just has to rely on his, um, active hands, aggressive attacking mentality. Um, you know, he's not afraid to keep going. His, he, he's got a constant motor, um, works really hard out there. So, um, I really like Neville Gallimore, um, but I think that he's a little raw. All right. And then I actually have, right, eight. Oh, I went, oh, yeah, I went eight, so it's seven for yep. me now. Raekwon Davis. Um, Raekwon Davis is highly thought of prospect, big time. Um, he is, uh, he hits hard. Uh, he hits aggressive. He, he'll he'll run over a, a guard that's not prepared for him. Um the biggest concerns about him are maybe not so much that he's he's just not super elite at what he does. He does everything really well, but nothing really pops about what he does. I think he's got a role in the NFL for sure, but I don't think that he's ever going to stand out to people as this guy's a stud. Um, I think we start seeing those around five here on my list. So, um, But but Raquan Davis is going to be a, a good player, a rotational player in the NFL at, on the interior D-line. At seven, I have Devon Hamilton. Um, so when I was watching Hamilton play, you don't see a ton of production from him, and you start to wonder why. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's getting double teamed quite often in the middle of the Ohio State off, um, defensive line, which is kind of crazy when you think that Chase Young's on one of the sides rushing in. Um, he does a great job of taking on blockers, fighting through, holding his ground, um, making plays as far as a run stuffer. Um, you know, not a lot of sacks. A lot of his, even some of his sacks are more of the hold my ground and then wait for the quarterback to step up in the pocket, shed my guy, then then bring the quarterback down that way. And not, a, not a lot of running and chasing of the quarterback. Um, with that said, I think that that is going to translate well to a, a nose tackle. He's going to be able to sit, anchor on a defensive line, take on that center, take on the center guard blocking, and uh, really clog up and make lanes for a, you know, a 3-4 scheme where the inside linebackers are supposed to be making the plays. And then at 7 or 6, I have Neville Gallimore, who Kevin had also just talked about. Um, Gallimore's pretty good. I like a lot about his physical traits. Um, 
he's really good at hand fighting. I noticed that in the senior bowl stuff. Um, he was, he was definitely doing well at, you know, deflecting hands and getting, um, inside of the lineman. He does have a very good first burst. Um, the one thing that is a little different is at Oklahoma, they ran a million and ones twists and stunts and slants. So he was asked to do a lot of that kind of stuff as a college player. I'm not sure he'll do as much of that in the NFL. Um, but he does have the experience doing that. So on a, if you have a defense that still does a lot of that, which I don't think most of them do, um, he should have that uh, ability to put that on tape and let people know he's able to do that. So definitely an interesting prospect with um, Gallimore. A lot of physical traits you look for. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. And, you know, I would love I, – I, I can't wait to see what he is in the league in about, you know, three years to see if somebody's gotten their hands on him and really molded all that talent that's yeah. there. Um, first for me here, uh, at number six is Jason Strobridge from UNC. Um, UNC, not typically a defensive powerhouse, um, but Strobridge has, uh, has really good size, quickness. Um, you know, he, he is, um, violent, um, with his hands and I feel like he's going to do a nice job at the next level, um, managing the strength of the offensive line. Um, he works very hard as well. So the problem is he's like, he's kind of like his size is a little bit weird at, um, he's six, four two seventy five, and he's not really fast enough to get on the edge as an edge rusher. And he's not really big enough to like power over guys on the interior. And like I said earlier, I, I watched him get washed by Josh Jones. Um, I think when he faces elite competition, that's possible for him. Um, so, you know, I think Strobridge has the ability to be a starter in the NFL, but I don't think that he's a guy that's going to be um, dominant. I think that he can make some plays for you. They're going to have to. He's going to have to be in a scheme that might be diverse, that might move size guys around. You know, maybe on on first down and second down, he's more setting the edge, trying to to maintain that integrity of the edge than he is trying to be on the interior of that D line going through a B gap or something like that. So, um, I think the Strobridge is, is kind of caught between the two positions of interior D line and, and edge rusher. So, um, it's kind of a weird spot for him. Um, here's another guy that, that could be scheme diverse for sure. And that's Marlon Davidson from Auburn at five. Uh, Marlon Davidson was so much fun for me to watch for the last four years as an Auburn fan. Um, to see somebody that big get around the edge the way that he did was really fun. I mean, he, he had so much production and it never looked like he was the most explosive guy on the field, but it looked like he was just so he always found a way to the quarterback. So his pass rush game is really good. Um, he, he was very good at setting the edge for his size. I think he's like six, four, three Oh three, I think is what I saw his size at. So, this guy, he'll he'll set that edge for you and get pressure off the edge at that size, and then they can probably kick him down inside and attack that A and B gap with him. Um, in the A gap, maybe his quickness will be enough to create problems in there. And, uh, you know, I think that he's going to be a valuable piece for someone's team here for a number of years moving forward. Yeah, I actually have uh, Marlon Davidson at five as well. Um, I think he's going to be, a, you know, a three-tech D-tackle um, penetrating, rushing the passer, being disruptive, making plays in the backfield because he does have that skill set from Auburn where he was rushing the passer from the outside. He's going to be more effective doing that from the inside of the NFL. He doesn't quite have the flex or quickness to do be an outside rusher or traditional NFL sense, 
but to translate that into the NFL could be very productive in the right scheme as, um, you know, in a 4-3 as that three-tech, you know, penetrator. Um, and at four, I have uh, Justin Medbuke from Texas A&M. Uh, another guy I'm very big on. I mean, oh, as I said earlier, this, this group is maybe behind maybe the uh, wide receivers, the strongest group I've looked at as far as talent goes. These top four or five guys could all be starters in the league um, day one, and you're talking about multiple pro bowlers out of, out of here. Um, so Matabuke is right there. I think that he's, uh, his first step is crazy, um, super fast off the ball, uh, able to be very disruptive, gets after people. Um, you know, I think uh, same thing. I think he's going to be more of a three tech, just driving into the def or the offensive line, causing havoc, um, either making the play or, or disrupting the play. So it gets made by somebody behind him. Um, you know, the one thing that the only knock I've seen on him and I've seen it a couple times is that maybe he, he gets sloppy when he gets tired, um, you know, gets to a point where he, maybe he needs a blow, but he's still in there. And so he kind of takes a playoff and just stands up and, you know, hand fights with the guy in front of him. Um, but, uh, very talented as a penetrator. Yeah, I uh, I agree with everything that Tom just said there with Justin Matabuke, and that's why I have him at four as well. Um, this is this is going to be interesting for you guys down the line here because once again, Tom and I build these lists separately, completely independent from one another, and the top five on our list, unbelievably, felt exactly identical. So. <laughs> How that happened, I don't really know other than we both watch film. We talk about football all the time. We talk about skill sets, and, and somehow this is how it, it how it shook out. So um, I love Matabuke, too, and Tom made a lot of salient points there about him. I think he's going to be really good at the next level. Um, at three is uh, Ross Blacklock. Um, Blacklock, early in his career, just absolutely stunned everyone with his ability, right? He was he was so good. Um, he tore a, an Achilles tendon in 2018. Um lost a bunch of weight and um he ended up being an all big 12 defensive player 40 tackles nine for a loss three and a half sacks and 12 starts um you know he, he played great football he's going to be um an attacking interior lineman mm -hmm. he's not going to be gap plugging he's the kind of guy that's going to slash through a gap and cause problems in the backfield and mark my words, you're going to hear Ross Blacklock's name tackling running backs in the backfield when they try to run a stretch play or something against him. He's going to find that seam and fly through it and make a play. Um, he's going to be a fun, penetrating interior defensive lineman for a lot of years in the NFL. Yeah, um, I, I love uh, Blacklock. I, I love him at three. Um, he's so fast, so and he has an instinct for the game. Um, saw multiple plays where he read the polling guard and just – filled that hole which is what you teach them to do and want them to do but not everyone has that feel to see it and then make the play because you have to do it quickly it's not something you can make take time to process but uh definitely able to do that um he should be a lot of fun in the next one and the next guy javon kinlaw is just a uh, freak of nature as far as athletic ability um from south carolina he is unbelievably fast off the ball so many times I had to stop it, rewind, and go, was he offsides? No, no, okay, he wasn't. Because it looks like he's offsides. The ball snapped, and he's just 
hurtling himself into the offensive line. Looks like he's off off the ball so early he has to be off sides um, time and time again. Um, he's just unbelievable with his speed off the ball, his physical ability. Um, I can't wait. He's definitely going to go top 10 and, um, I'll be interested to see him in the NFL. I think this guy has all pro potential and I mean, he's just going to be nasty. I think that, you know, the top 10 prediction is, is it's dicey because of how weird the top 10 in this draft could be. If people start diving on Justin Herbert and Jordan love in the top 10, all of a sudden you've got a draft where great players are falling. Yeah, um, I just think when you look at the, the where the talent is. He's in, in the draft, top ten on my big board, right. I'll tell you that. I think that you're going to see, even if um, one of the quarterbacks maybe who was outside the ten, like Love or Herbert, get picked in the top ten, there's still room for two defensive, tackle, defensive tackles to come off. Yeah, and, and number one, I think, off the board has got to be Derek Brown. Um, I have... I didn't have to watch film on Derek Brown because I watched every game that he played. Um, you know, every Auburn game, I, I sit down and I watch the whole thing, uh, if possible, unless some kind of extenuating circumstances happen. Um, but Derek Brown is a game destroyer. He is absolutely just making a mess of things in everyone's backfield. He's he's top five on my big board. He is absolutely incredible. Um, he's huge and athletic and i don't want to throw a comparison out there that'll make everybody all mad because this guy was a hall of fame or warren sap um that's the kind of interior defender that this guy is um he he runs guys over he runs around guys he does everything that you'd want he's going to get after the passer like you can't believe from an interior defensive lineman he's going to be constantly resetting the line of scrimmage from that guard or center they're going to be double teaming him constantly so um, Derek Brown is a stud. Yeah, and one of the things that is just so obvious when you watch him play, um, he just has the, you know, they talk about it, the motor. Uh, his is never ending, it seems. He's just always going, chasing plays, even though he has no chance of catching some of them. Um, he's still chasing. That's just how he plays. He plays all out every down. And when you combine the talent that you were just talking about, those abilities, with that kind of a motor and that love for the just going out and playing football, that's why you get somebody who's who's number one and a clear number one at this position. And, you know, definitely in the – if you take out the quarterbacks, he's in your top three. Um, yeah. Top three players um, available in this draft here. I, I'd, I'd put him at number two behind, probably behind one of these edge rushers we're going to talk about. But, yeah, he's really good. Um, another one who should be an all-pro in the NFL. Absolutely. All right, guys, go mix a drink. We'll be back in uh, just a couple of minutes and, and fire back up here. It's time to wrap this thing up. <laughs> we are uh, just going to wrap up with the edge rushers here. Um, we got a long pod tonight. We're at an hour and 22 minutes um, deep into the NFL draft now. So um, let's kick off some edge rush discussion. Um, I'll jump right in with number 10, Jonathan Greenard from Florida. Um, I really like Jonathan Greenard. I think that he is a, a very talented rusher who was a team captain at Louisville before uh, before transferring. Um, he suffered a severe wrist injury 
um, that led to some concern this year because he looked like he was hesitant with uh, with using those hands. Um, if that's 100%, I think that Jonathan Greenard is a guy who could plug in and, and be a situational pass rusher right away. He shows some good discipline against run as well. So Jonathan Greenard for me at 10. At 10, I have someone with a bit of injury past, and that's why he's at 10. A lot of skills. Um, I have Terrell Lewis from Alabama here at 10. 2017, he had an elbow injury. 2018, ACL injury. Um, But he has all the raw tools that you really want from someone um, on the outside rushing the passer. 6'5", 258, long arms, just a a good ability to, to rush fast, bend, uses quickness, uses length. Um, just with those injuries, it pushes him down my list where his raw skill is probably higher than, than 10. Um, number nine, I have his running mate, Anthony Jennings. Um, Anthony's a little bit of an interesting prospect. Um, he has, again, some of the tools you want, but doesn't always seem to put them together. Uh, he also has some risk when it comes to picking him, but not because of injury, but because uh, he doesn't always seem to show up all the time. Um, sometimes in games he's all over the place making plays, and then sometimes you kind of forget about him for a little bit, which is, is odd for an elite player. So I have him at nine. Yeah, um, I have uh, Terrell Lewis at nine. So, um, you know, I think he's a good player. I think yep. that his injuries are the only reason that he's down the list for me at all. Um you know, shows a lot of potential to be really good at the next level. Um, at eight for me is Bradley Anai from Utah. Um, Bradley Anai is a guy who maybe doesn't have as many physical skills as some of the other guys on this list, um, but he's aggressive, attacking, and his film grows on you. The more that you watch him play, the more that you see him getting involved in the backfield often. Um, he played against some good competition. Um, I think he's a really good player. I think he's a really solid player. I don't think he's ever going to stand out in the NFL as an edge rusher, um, but I think that he can be really effective as uh, one of the – I think he's a three-down player. That's the, the, the great thing that I like about Anai. So um, give me uh, Bradley Anai at eight. Um, at eight, I have Julian Okora from Notre Dame. Um, Julian is definitely going to translate more to a 3-4 linebacker, um, rushing, um, stand-up rusher. Uh, he's quick. He's able to uh, make plays in the uh, open. He's so you, you're not gonna, you don't have to worry about him getting caught out there with a running back. He's going to be able to chase him down and make plays. Um, but he excels at rushing the passer. Uh, so that's where you need to get him on the field. And because of that, I have him at eight. At seven, I have Curtis Weaver from Boise State. Um, I have some concerns about him. I've voiced these to Kevin already. Uh, the biggest thing is where his his big plays happen. Um, you know, nine of his sacks came in three sep- in three games. Um, so when you're when you look at the original total of of 15, you're like, oh, he, he really gets after it. But nine of them came in in three games, and two of those three games were against um, FBS opponents um, or non FBS opponents. So it, it's you know that's my concern. But when you see him play, he gets after it. He he chases the quarterback. He finishes when he gets there. Um, so there is a lot to like. He seems to be good at setting the edge. Um, so there's no really glaring holes there. Uh, I'm just a little worried about the uptick in competition at the NFL, how his skills are going to translate to that. Obviously, he'll have a, a chance to improve his own skills as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's a, there's a lot of developmental ability there. Um, seven for me is Josh Uche. Um, Josh Uche is uh, – 
my only knock on him is his size, really. He's 6'1", and I don't think that he has the length. I think he'll get engulfed by big tackles. Um, that's the biggest concern for me. But his speed and burst is going to create some separation there. So, you know, it's going to take a, a skilled offensive tackle to get out there and get their hands on him. But once they do, I think he might have some struggles. Um, so Uche for me at 7. Um, Curtis Weaver fell at 6 for me. I think Tom... <laughs> Bless you. Mother of Pearl. Pearl. Holy moly. Uh, excuse me, y'all. <laughs> uh, Curtis Weaver has uh, has potential, but again, his the concerns about his level of competition are, are real and valid, um, and whether he can actually beat guys that are elite-level tackles is, is the concern for me, but I think there's a lot of uh, work that could be molded there with him. Yeah, at six, I have Josh Uche as well. Um, yeah, his speed off the edge is pretty crazy. When you watch him in the Senior Bowl, uh, he just looks like he's shot out of a cannon, you know, just yeah. around the edge. But his size is a little odd. You know, he's not big enough to, to really stand it's up. It's only 6'1", and, yeah. you know, that length is important a lot of times there. You know, the ideal pass rusher is somebody who is 6'4", 6'5", yeah. that can bend and flex and has that ability to get around the edge. And so with that, it, it, it's a little concerning where he's going to end up lining up. I don't think he's got the ability to play outside linebacker. I'm not sure if he's able to – be in coverage when need be or make plays in space out there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, but his ability to speed rush is definitely attractive enough for somebody to, to draft him and put him in a spot to try it out. Um, at five, I have Jonathan Greenard here. I think again, a lot of raw tools. He, he does have the size and ability to bend off the edge. You know, he is six, four, two sixty two, kind of that ideal size for a four, three DN. Um, He's able to bend, get around. It'll be interesting to see if he's able to add some tools. Um, he definitely needs to work on uh, his get-off. A lot of times it seemed like he was the last one off the ball. Um, sometimes I saw where he would let the tackle get to him and then try to move off that, which is never a good idea, especially at the NFL with the quality of offensive tackles he's going to see there. Um, and then the, the wrist injury was a little concerning. It seemed like it took him a few games to really trust it and get his hands dirty in there. When, and hand fighting such a big part of that position. Absolutely. Um, five for me is Julian Aquara. I have him a little higher than Tom did. Um, I think that he has the athleticism and the length that you want. Um, his production dipped a little bit in 2019, but that could be because of some injury concerns yeah, he that he had. Leg. You he know, broke that, his leg. That, that obviously um, – causes a problem he has a great closing burst um you know when when he gets around the edge he's going to get to your guy so um to me that's you know he makes tackles for loss too that that's another great thing with him um he's a little upright um and he can get banged up at the point of attack so that's the concerns with aquara but i I like him here at five um at four for me is yater gross matos um gross matos is a he he's got the exact body type that you want at this position at the next level so so for me gross matos um fits in perfectly here he's got the great flexibility and bend um you know they talk about hips and and flexibility and he shows a lot of that um you know he he does have some bull rush too which is impressive um you know the the concerns are you know just like timing things and and um if he gets engaged, can he get off the block? Um, but I feel like he's raw 
and and there's a ton of untapped potential, and he could be the guy that produces more than anyone else out of this pass rush group if he if he develops some of those skills a little bit more. I actually have Gross Matos at four as well. Um, so when I first started watching him, I wasn't overly impressed. I saw some of the sacks he was getting, and yeah, he, he when he gets to the quarterback, he's big and strong, and he takes the guy down. Um, but the one thing that was impressing me the most was just the, the way he was setting the edge at D, at the uh, DN position. Just absolutely, no, you shall not pass. This is it. And that's a really big trait in the NFL to keep some of those speedy guys bottled in. Um, the pass rusher, he has moments where he makes moves and gets there. I think that that will be developed in the NFL um, if he's able to get to somebody who can work with him on you know, having a plan of attack, knowing what he wants to do, setting up a move for third down on first down, um, some of that kind of real savvy stuff you see the real good pros pros do. Um, so originally I had him lower on my list, but after, you know, um, adding in some of that development that he should go through, I, I moved him back up to uh, four. At three, I have A.J. Epinesa. So Epinesa is an interesting prospect to me because I think he's almost as good as he's going to get. Um, he's going to be a solid NFL player. I don't think he's ever going to be great. He has a good motor. He plays well against the run. He's... It's production, production, production from Epinesa, yeah. and that's the thing that I liked about him. And performing against NFL caliber players. Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be like the top sack guy in the NFL. I don't think he's ever going to be setting any kind of crazy records or maybe getting just absolute name recognition across the league. But if you have him on your team, you're going to like how hard he plays. He's going to get sacks for you. He's going to make some plays here and there. Um, so he's definitely, I mean, that's why I have him at three. He's a good football player. I just don't know if he has as much room to grow as some of these other guys we just mentioned in Gross Mato, Screener, Uche. And, and I said to Tom a few days ago when we were talking about Epinesa, uh, because he wasn't sold on him when, you know, it, when we first talked about it as far as like being an all-star type, type, you know, player, um, Epinesa, he may only have seven, eight sacks in a season, but that's not something that is easy to come by. Sure. You know, he's going to set the edge. He's going to make tackles and he's going to make plays in big moments. He produces. So maybe his athleticism isn't where everyone else sees it, but you know, a guy who had, um, you know, 16 and a half tackles for loss, 10 and a half sacks, um, as a sophomore, then as a junior, he came in uh, his final year, 14 and a half tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. He has a nose for creating problems in the backfield. And what really got me with him is his tape against good, against good tackles. That that's the thing. Like he, he was beating good tackles and that's, that separates him. He is a, he is a very good bull rush. If you let him get into your body. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're an offensive lineman that gets your balance a little bit out of whack and he gets into your body, you're going to go backwards and on your back is what's going to happen. So th- that's the other thing I noticed with him is there's constant penetration there. He, he's, he's always driving you towards the quarterback. So he may have more hurries than he has sacks at the next level because I'm not sure he finishes as explosively as some of the other guys. Um, but I, I think he's going to be really, really fun to watch at the next level and, and a solid NFL player. Um, at two for me is Caleb on Chase on. Um, he, he's graded very high, um, six, three, two fifty four. Um, I noticed when I was watching film the other day, he's really good at the twist game. 
when when uh, he starts outside and twists inside, he finds a little seam and flies through it and creates havoc in the backfield. Um, he does have speed to power rush, uh, which is huge. Um, so he, he does that. The th- I'm telling you that twist game, Tom, is what impressed me the most about his game. Like I thought at 254, expect him to just fly off the edge and that's all he'd have. But he was so good in that stunt and twist game, um, and that's not something that's natural to people. Um, he he's going to be a talented player. So he he also has an injury history. Um, yeah. 2018 torn ACL, missed a couple games with an ankle injury in 2019. Um, I'm I'm not sure that he's going to be able to maintain the edge uh, against a power run attack. That that's a little concern for me. But I think that he I think he can get there. I think that he might add 10 pounds at the next level, 10 12 pounds of muscle at the next level, and be able to set that edge in the future. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see if somebody sees him as more of a traditional four three hand on the ground, or if they have him hands um you know standing as a three four outside linebacker i see him as more of a dn type because of his burst his burst is crazy fast he's two things about him that are that will jump off the tape the uh, tape from you um how quick he is and then how he never stops chasing the football yeah Uh, he is just relentless um he's like the terminator of dns he's just not going to stop till you get to the ground um so i have him as two as well Super fun to watch, make big plays in big games. He, he should be a good uh, NFL player. And then the number one, Chase Young. Uh, the guy has the physical build for a Pro Bowl defensive end. He has every physical trait you can ask for. Uh, plays the run well. He gets off after the quarterback in a crazy amount. Um, just elite skill sets. I mean, unbelievable how, how good he looks like he could be. Um, not any real red flags, no real injury history to yeah. be concerned with, no off the field anything. So I'm uh, really pissed at Lance Zerline from NFL.com. What? Well, because you know I've been thinking about this, thinking about this, and not reading a lot of other people's stuff. And I'm like, Chase Young is Julius Peppers. And then I just pull this up an NFL comparison, Julius Peppers. I'm like, God damn it. Now that does not seem original at all. And, Ooh. and that's, that's the exact thought that I had about this guy and his athleticism, his size, everything's when you talk about prototype for this position, Chase Young is it. If you could draw him up, that's what you want. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, curse peppers, you know, pick your, pick your poison there. It's yeah. he's definitely the big physical, strong, lean, um, athletic, amazing. Like they're just, he could have played any sport he wanted to, realistically, with that that athleticism. Let, let's uh, let's read about his weaknesses here, just because this is, uh, you know, when you're looking at somebody who's who's as elite as Chase Young is, let's see what the warts are. Where are the issues? Offsides um, is the first thing. Yeah, I noticed. field awareness. Yeah, yeah. He, he he has the. But I think most good pass rushers get caught doing this sometimes. Yeah. Um, I've, you see it time and time again. They're trying to time the snap, get that you know, get the get off as best as they can. He's no different. He's not immune to it. Is he going to be when he's not on a team that's winning by forty all the time? Is, is he going to be able to anchor and play defense against the run really well? Um, that that's one concern that I have. I mean, they used to talk about. Remember when they used to say, "Never run away from Bruce Smith. Always run at him." Yeah. That that's the kind of thought that I have when you when you think about Chase. Well, it just Young. wears them down. I think that's the thing with it yeah. more than anything. I mean, 
uh, by all accounts, Chase Young's very good against the run. He sets the edge very well. <laughs> he he makes plays against the run all the time. But the the concept of running at somebody is it's exhausting because you're getting blocked by two three guys every time. So it you know drains you a little bit more than running the opposite way. And, and does Chase Young uh, rely on his athleticism a little too much? Has he developed all the skills that he could as far as like being a a crafty? Um, I can make this move on you or I can make that one on you kind of guy. Yeah. I don't think he's had to do that at any level yet because he's so physically incredible. He's the LeBron James prototype physically. Now, yeah. I'm not talking about performance level here. I'm not calling him the greatest player of all time. I'm saying he he has that physical separation from everyone else uh, that, that, could, that can create laziness, unfortunately. You know, unfortunately, that's what happens when you're so much better than everyone else at something. Yeah, I mean, it, it'll definitely... I complacency. Think is, I, don't, I, I don't want to say lazy. Yeah, it's yeah. complacency. Yeah, that's better. I think this is where you see a lot of times um, a learning curve for some of these guys. They're used to a certain amount of, hey, I can get away with X, Y, or Z. And that's why some of these guys maybe don't... They have flashes in, in their rookie season, but you don't see the consistency. Do you think that's why... Um, Clowney didn't fire early on. Do you think he was just so physically dominant over everyone else his entire career, his entire life, that when he stepped into the NFL, he thought he would just be able to continue to do that? Yeah, I think uh, that's part of the learning curve of the NFL, right? Uh, you see it at a lot of positions. Wide receiver, I think it's the most prevalent because they're used to just running by guys at, at, at the college yeah. level, right? And you get to the NFL, you're like, holy crap, everyone around here passes me. Now what? Yeah. And so they have to work on their craft, and the details become important. And you may see that with him. I, you know, I, I don't know who he's working with to get ready for that. And it'll be interesting to see with a training camp and situation like that, all these guys that we're talking about, what kind of impact um, this world we're living in right now is going to have on their early development. Are they able to get into rookie mini camp? Are we able to get into um, those May mini camps, you know? Are they even going to be held? So yeah. they might be behind the eight ball with some of that. So, you know, some of the rookie production could be down this year because Absolutely. of that. So, um, you know, so expect trading your, trading your first round pick for a Pro Bowl wide receiver might be a good idea. Yeah, maybe. Or you could end up with him creating chaos in your locker room and being the, the dividing factor of the group instead of the uniting factor. And then he drops a couple of passes, blames Josh Allen because he can't hit him on the deep ball. And next <laughs> thing you know, you're dealing with an absolute nightmare in the locker room. I don't buy it. Nor should you as a fan. <laughs> I'm just giving, you know, I'm playing, you know, the, the other <laughs> the side. Devil's advocate yeah, here. Devil, devil's advocate for for uh, Buffalo in that, that decision. So, <laughs> um, yeah, this has been a, a great episode. I feel like there's so much content here. There's so much to unpack for you guys. Um, an hour and 42 minutes deep now. So um, there, there's a, a ton of material here for you guys. We expected to run like an hour and 15 tonight. Yeah, you know, <laughs> when we get talking about draft prospects, we can't stop. You know, that's <laughs> it's in our nature. Yeah. So, listen, if you're bored by draft prospect talk, I'm sorry because that's the only thing coming up for months out of the sports world. So, <laughs> dig in, have fun, enjoy it. So, um, I had a great time doing the pod tonight. I think that it's been next week will be even more fun if you ask me. Yeah, um, we're gonna talk wide receivers and corners, which are always fun to talk about, and then big board. And then big board, and um, I th we might work in a little draft need conversation to get us ready for our mock on that. Yeah. We'll see how long it takes us to get through um, big yeah. board and stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, when we go big board, we're gonna we'll probably go. I mean, we'll Tom, <laughs> Tom and I both talked about it. And are we gonna go 100 deep? Or are we gonna go 75 deep? I mean, it's it, it's hard to do. I mean, it's. 
this is our first year doing it um, together. Uh, it's not that we haven't done this kind of evaluation in the past, but this um, actual like building out the board and having something out there. And we're going to post these boards for you guys to look at too. So you'll see them on Facebook, on Twitter. Um, again, Hammered Sports Podcast on Facebook, um, at Hammered underscore sports on Twitter, um, at Tabby11, uh, at Junior 99 um, We're constantly posting stuff. Uh, we're excited about where we're at and uh, can't wait until sports come back so that we can <laughs> we can start talking about live action and games and evaluations and stuff so. <laughs> absolutely well hang in there everyone we will talk to you next week all right see ya yeah.